Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. It's Monday during Advent. Father Charles Murr joining us here. Father, thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Oh, thank you, Terry, for having me. Are you kidding me? You know, it's one of my... I'll I'll tell you the inspirational guys that I get. I get Bishop Joseph Strickland once a week, now starting twice a week and soon to be three and four times a week. And then I get to chat with you every Monday here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So I'm I'm blessed, and I like to share it with my friends and my listeners. So thanks so much. We're going to continue today on one of the mysteries of the rosary. Uh, we're going to be talking about how uh, what was going on when the parents of Jesus found Jesus in the temple. Bishop Sheen's got some insights on that that I think are very, very enlightening. But before we do that, we're going to get the a gospel, which we call soul food. It's the soul f- food for the soul. And it's a short gospel, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. I'll read the gospel, and then Father Charles can give us his commentary on that, his exegesis. Okay, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Father. Give us your take on that. Well, the the, the first thing that hits me with with that gospel always yeah. is that we look everywhere in the world we can yeah. for the answers to our problems, except to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember I remember being struck by that too, in myself, not in other people, in myself, when a problem would come up, Terry. Yeah, and I'd say. Well, I tried A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Yep. And and somebody suggested usually a pious sort. I always had one, at least one friend who was a pious sort. Good. Would say, did you pray? What? Did you ask God? Wow. But what what I would do is do everything possible that I could, and then when there was nothing else that I could do, I would pray. Yeah. Rather than start off. By praying, yeah. and when you learn, when when a problem comes to me today, not that I'm so so spiritually perfected, I'm 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 far from that, but when a major problem or any problem that comes to me now, the first thing I do, the first thing I do autom- automatically is pray. Yep. Turn it over, turn it over to the Lord, and see what He's going to do with it through me. Yep. You know? Well, Father, one thing that got my attention, and I think it's really important for us, especially in the 21st century, and especially in a church that seems to be uh, doing its own will and not God's will. That's just my take, and I, I can share that because I see things happening in the church and going, wait a minute, whose idea is that? It's surely not our Lord's. For example, he says, and you uh, will learn from me. Uh, sometimes I hear these prelates say things like, well, science says that homosexuality really is okay. And I'm going, who are you learning from, Jesus Christ or the world, man? I'm sorry to be so direct go. with him, but th- this is my concern is that we need to get back to our roots. And that's why, you know, Jess and I always say, let's get a world biblical view of the s- situation in life rather than 
some sociological or even scientific view. Let's go back to our roots, which are the Bible and the teachings of the church. And it seems like a novel idea, but I don't see it happening. Perry, let me just throw something else into that mix for okay. you for a moment. Yeah, hit me. Uh, I know this is going to sound crazy. Yeah. But I've sounded crazy. Of course. That's why I like quite a, quite a few times in life. <laughs> Take the Middle East situation right now. Yes. The Palestinians against the Israelis. Bah, 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 bah. There was a, there was a joke years ago that said the real problem there. I, somebody said, "I wish that I wish the, the the Muslims and the Jews would be more Christian." <laughs> well, that's really that's really the solution. It's it, really it sounds like a that, joke, but it is. No, there will be there will be. I'm telling you, there will be no solution. Right. To the Palestinian-Israeli problem, none at all, mm -hmm. none at all, until Christ Jesus is the King of that part of the of the of the earth and where He reigns. They can they can talk from from now to Kingdom Come. Literally, <laughs> nothing is going to happen because they're not putting in the the only part of that equation that can make it whole. That's right. It's so funny you say that, Jesse and I've been saying that for months now with this conflict, that until Jesus Christ is king, of, yeah. you know, nothing's going to happen. It's going to continue to fight. Father, one quick note. I wrote this down because I was reflecting about this idea that all are welcome to the church. And I thought, well, how can I articulate all are welcomed? Yes, but I put down all are welcome in the church, but the problem is the remaining part of that sentence doesn't say uh, they need to be repenting about their if they're living a life of debauchery, whether it's adultery, fornication, adultery, whatever, homosexual, active homosexuality, they, we need to repent. And so it seems to me that we're telling people to come in without any uh, connection to repent and believe in the gospel. It's just like a club. Hey, everybody can become a member of the YMCA. Why? Well, there's a little form you just fill out, you sign it, and you're a member. But it seems to me that becoming part of the mystical body of Christ has also a connection that says, you want to be a believer in Jesus Christ? You want to come? Well, you're all welcome. But remember, God loves you so much that he doesn't want to keep you the way you are if you're living a life of debauchery. He wants you to come to know and live according to his commandments and not the world's commandments. And I think that's something that is missing on this comment about all are welcomed. Your thoughts? Yeah, God loves you right where you are, right? How many times have we heard that? Loves you God loves you exactly the way you are and right where you're at. Yeah. That's how God loves you. Yes, but there's one thing that's missing from that. Yes. God's love is infinite. Yes. It, it knows no limits. Right. And God loves you so much that he's unwilling to leave you yeah. where you are. Yeah. Yeah, right. I love that. He's not gonna. He loves you too much to just leave you where you are. That's right. And this is this is what's been this is what's been lacking, especially right. in the last in the last eleven years. I don't know how why why eleven comes up uh, as as a number that's concerning the eleven years. But the last eleven years, we haven't heard that Christ calls anybody to uh, repentance. He forgives them. Yes. He, uh, but he also says, how many times do we have this in the gospel? Go. And sin no more. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's, well, that part that part is missing. Yeah, that and, part is missing. And it goes back to that gospel we just read when Jesus said this: "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." 
See, I don't think we're learning. See, Jesus laid it all out. Yeah, but and there, Terry, that's cut short too. That and that gospel's cut short too. There are two. There, there are some words that are missing at the end. And learn from me, who am meek and humble of heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Right. This that's is what right. this is what Christ said. Learn from me. I'm the. I'm meek. I'm humble. Yes. I, I mean, if there's anyone in the world who had any right not to be meek and humble, it's wow. the man who's telling you that he's meek and humble. Amen. Learn from me. Learn from me who have, who have, who have given up my, well, I'm not going to say that, that would be a heresy to give up. He didn't give up his divinity. No. But he, he emptied himself. Emptied himself. Yeah. Of all prestige. Yep. Right? Yep. And became man. That's right. He said, learn from me who have, I have a right to be proud and arrogant if I, if I wanted to. Yeah. Learn from me. I am meek and humble. Learn from me. Do the same way. Yes, that's good. And the thing is, too, the thing is, too, I've always looked at this. Our Lord talks about a yoke, yeah. a yoke, right? A yoke is used for oxen, mm -hmm. right? But for, for two animals, uh, usually oxen in the field plowing. Sure. Uh, he talks about a yoke being put on. That's the burden. But I also saw in that when he's talked about that yoke. I, I, there's something of his cross that comes in with that yoke. Yes. The, 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 that, that cross that, that we're to carry every day. That's right. That, 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 that burden, and it becomes light when we understand that the end of that cross is resurrection and eternal life. All right, there's hope at the end of it. Beautiful. So uh, anyway, anyway, Beautiful. yes, there's a lot. There's, there's, we, had, we had a great priest, an old Dominican priest at, in Rome, Father O'Brien. And he he would he would get on on a tangent. Yeah. He was fantastic to listen to. Yeah. He would say, and he would always end the same thing. He said, "Oh, and there's so very much more that could be said about that, but we're just skimming the surface." Oh, I can hear that Irish accent. I love it, Father. You know, I I'm gonna give I'm gonna get bring the smartest guy into the room in a minute, but I just want to tell a quick story. That again, here at the Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we have. Uh, outside our studios, the beautiful historic Sacred Heart Chapel, which is the original Catholic Church in Covina. And we do a couple hundred funerals a year. So death is something that I see often, like today, after this, I have a, uh, observe a, a, nine, a 9.30 funeral. And many times they ask me, I always offer, would you like to have a rosary prayed for the repose of the soul of the person? And if they say yes, uh, they say, can you get somebody? I say, yeah, it's me. <laughs> and <then laughs> we say, yeah, I can get you. I can get you that guy real, yeah. real, real quick. And yeah. so what I do is I have brochures on uh, death where it explains that it is good and holy to pray for the dead. And when I come back, I'm going to share this story about praying the rosary for the repose of a soul and how the rosary was very touching for people. Stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Father Charles Murray sitting in for Jesse. It's a Monday. We're talking about Advent. We're going to get into Bishop Keen's commentaries on the on this feast day here. We'll stay back. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr with us today. It's a Monday in Advent. And I wanted to, I was telling a little quick story. We're talking about death because Advent is the preparation. There's a, there's a, there's a penitential aspect 
If you look at the readings, a lot of them are about the end times. And so we want to really, I think it's always good to think about your last ends every day, actually. But uh, liturgically, they, we, do, we have times of the year to do that. I wanted to sit, share a quick story about the funerals that we have, just so those who didn't hear. I've, we do about 200 funerals a year here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And when they ask for a rosary, I always tell them, yeah, I can pray the rosary for them. So I do. And what I do is I have a big bag with me filled with probably two or 300 rosaries that people have given to me who have made them with pamphlets on how to pray the rosary. So I share that with the people and I explain why we pray in that uh, that Our Lady of Fatima talked about the peace plan. I get into that and I also talk about that many souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. And sometimes at funerals, people forget to and make the intention of praying for the repose of the soul. They're there sometimes just to remember the person and say, he was a great guy, I could drink beer with him, he could do that. But uh, what about his uh, eternal, soul, eternal soul that he's going, he's before God, we need to be praying for him as an act of charity. So anyhow, what, what usually happens, and it's not me, but people come up to me and say, oh, thank you, I used to pray the rosary every day, and I, I, I don't know where I could get one of these. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay, uh, be my guest, take as many as you need, and hand them out to your friends. But the point of it is, is this is how simple sharing the faith can be with people. Uh, many people Terry, have left Terry, faith. Terry, can I interrupt just to ask sure. a clarification here? Yeah. You're talking... I've been many times yeah. to your place, to, yeah. your, to your fine establishment. Yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable, and the sure. people that you've got working there are sure. remarkable. Yeah. Uh, but you're you're dealing with an awful lot of unchurched oh, yeah. people, aren't you? Uh, that's right? a, yeah. Now, now, just a minute. Isn't that what the Pope is telling us we're supposed to be doing? Yeah, yeah, he does. Isn't that what the, isn't that what the normal parishes all around are supposed to be doing? Yeah. Why do they Why do they flock to you? I wonder. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's not because of the way I part my hair. I have no hair. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what the mortuaries tell me, that we work well with them because we're flexible. We, uh, we act like we actually appreciate them being here. They tell me. Yes. Many of the churches like, oh, we don't want another funeral here. You can, that means more work. And so I hate to say it, and I'll be honest with you. We have some lazy people in the church, and many of them— I, I pray for them, are wearing Roman collars because they just don't want the extra work. I'm sorry, but that's, that's how I see it. And the mortuaries tell me that. And so here's my point. You're right. Pope Francis asks us, get out there and reach out people. We have a couple thousand people a, a month coming through our doors. And we yes. try to evangelize them. And many times, like I think you heard last week, you heard the story of the uh, man that was the flower man, right? I told you that flower story. Yes. Yeah. See that these are not just people who come to the funerals, but people who work the funerals. They're many times wounded because they didn't uh, find f- fulfillment in the Catholic Church because of the human element. So we have to, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's my po- point on that. Well, talking about death, let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Sheen. <laughs> Full sheen ahead. And just so you know, on on Friday, no, Saturday, the 9th of December, was Bishop Sheen's 44th anniversary of his death. And I did a podcast with all of the uh, Fulton Sheen devotees around the world. Um, And uh, so I was one of the presenters. And boy, was I honored to tell people about going to his funeral 44 years ago and and, uh, you know, I've got a I've got a I've got a quick little story to tell about his death. Yeah, tell us. 
he died. He died when I was in Mexico, and I, re I remember exactly where exactly where I was when the when the news came on. I had a little a small little transistor radio. <laughs> I remember those, those days. Yeah, I was listening to the news, and they gave the news of his death. Yeah, and I was I was upset. I was upset, why? and I'll tell you why. Because Sheen, in in a couple of his talks, yes. He talked always about the holy hour, about making the holy yeah, hour, yeah. right? And priests, especially priests, making that holy hour so they never become disconnected right. from, from Christ. And he said, on one occasion, I, I specifically remember, he said, and you know, not that we're promised anything if we do this. Yeah, yeah. He said, but I've asked, I've asked Our Lady, Our Lord through Our Lady, that I die on a Saturday or on a feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right. Well, I'm in Mexico, and he died on a Friday, and the next day was the Immaculate Conception. Mm -hmm. he, uh, when, didn't he die on the, on, the, on, on the 7th of December? No, he died Sunday the 9th of December. Oh, Sunday the 9th of December. Yes. All right, so he missed, he missed it by well, one actually, day. Actually, Father, it. actually, in, in 1854... The Feast of the Immaculate Conception was celebrated December 9th until that 1854. The Holy Father changed it to have it on the 8th. Isn't that interesting? It used well, to be that is the 9th. That, that is interesting. Continue with your story, though. I had, no, 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 no. I just, I, I, I said, I, I, I got a little bit perturbed with our Lord. <laughs> yeah. I said, you mean to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> you mean After to tell 60 me years? You couldn't have held this off for, for just a few more hours exactly. so that the poor man could have yeah. what he wanted? Yeah. Well, anyway, well, you know, one of the people, Father, on the webinar told me that as you know, the they found him in the chapel before the Blessed Sacrament, kneeling before our Eucharist. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know. That, but that that doesn't surprise. No, me it doesn't least. surprise me at the least either. And that was so beautiful. That actually, um, if we uh, go to a book called Treasure of Clay, his autobiography. Uh, it, it's beautiful. He he wrote that about three months fantastic. before he that died. Book, that book is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So anyhow, Bishop Sheen, thank you for your insights. And here's what he said about death. I've almost forgot to read his quote. He says, there comes a time, and it's going to come for all of us, because last time I looked, Father Murr, nobody gets out alive. We're all going to have to face no. it. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm actually, at my age, you know what, to be honest with you, Father? I mean, if God calls me home today, thank you, Jesus. I want to just. Yes. I just went to confession. I mean, it, it can you imagine? Can you imagine the people who are actually afraid of this? I mean, yeah, afraid, afraid. They panic. Oh yeah, yeah. What? Do. What is that all about? It's, they it, can't possibly be Christians. No, they can't possibly be Christians. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's our world we live in. We're frightened to death. That's the thing that Christ Christianity gives us a certainty about what life and the meaning and purpose of life is about. And then we know this is just a small, you know what life is? It's like an advent, four-week advent compared to eternity. Not even compared to it. It's such a smitten. Think about this hundred years on life. I hope I don't live to be a hundred. Don't ever. Add, you know, but if I did live a hundred compared to eternity, it's still just a smitten of time. Okay. I had a, I had a great friend, a convert in New York. Okay. A jazz pianist, fantastic oh, man. Oh, good, good. He was one of the special people in my life. But yeah. he used to he used to say, Life is what happens when you're making other plans. Yeah, that's a good line. I never heard that one. All right, well, here's what Bishop Sheen said. There comes a time in the life of every man when at that supreme and tragic hour of death, his friends and relatives ask, 
How much did he leave? It is just at that split second, God is asking, how much did he take with him? It is only the later question that matters, for it is only our works that follow us. Your thoughts, Father? That's it. Well, you could also say uh, our, our Lord is going to ask when, when he sees each one of us, how much did you give? Yeah. How much did you give? Yeah. And Sheen also makes another point in one of his sermons uh, about the marks of the sign of the cross. Yes, the right? stars. That, uh, you know, he said, he said, as Thomas recognized Christ and asked for the signs of the nails and the, and the, yes. the, the lance in his side, uh, our Lord is going to ask to see our hands. Yes. Are they, were they blistered in giving? Yes. Our side, our side, was it, was it, was it wounded in loving? Our feet, do they have, do they, were they, were they bleeding from going to do works of mercy, from walking and running to help people, to, to be with people? Those are the signs that are going to be looked at in heaven, right? Christ is going to ask us to see the identi- our identification, just as Thomas asked to see his. That is so beautiful. Right. That that really gets me every time I read that during the uh, Lenten season. I listen to his um, his uh, seven last words, and yeah. man, that nailed me because when I think about it, and I think about this, we live in a world right now where it says, "Oh." Terry, you know, I could take care of that neck of yours. It looks a little old. I can do this. I can do that. Or your nose or your whatever special surgery, you know, plastic surgery. I'll take care of me. So you'll look really good as you age because we don't want anybody to see that you're aging. And it's almost like, and this is, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but when I looked at the money people spend on cosmetic surgery compared to uh, you know what we can. And Terry, do. and Terry, what? Terry, tell me, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Yeah, the, the, there isn't anyone who has plastic surgery. That, it's like the toupee people. Yeah, oh. it's like men who wear toupees. <laughs> There's no one that I've run into wearing a toupee that I didn't know was wearing a toupee. Exactly. To begin with, and all of the people who have had plastic surgery. Yeah, I don't need anyone to tell me they had plastic surgery. It's pretty. They obvious. all look like this. exactly. <laughs> I know, but but the thing about it, though, Father, here's the point I'm trying to convey, that we want to deny what I deny the existence of original sin. That these things are happening. Aging is a part of God's plan because of the fallen human nature. I mean, yes, we had preternatural gifts before the fall, but now when I lost my hair, you know what I thought of when I was losing my hair? Me, you, and I have something in common. I thought, well, you know what? Uh, this is just a sign of. I'm going to be giving up. I mean, I can't do 100 push-ups anymore. I have to give that up because I'm not That's physically right. able to do that. What is that telling me spiritually? How do yeah, I gee, Terry, I, I remember the day when it occurred to me that I couldn't do 100 push-ups again. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> like, never, oh, never. That's funny. Well, I used to do a lot of, I guess I was a push-up guy. But anyhow, the point I'm trying to convey is life is short and eternity is forever. And that message needs to get out in a world that acts like God doesn't exist and that it's all about me, myself, and I. I call that the unholy trinity. So I just want to mention that, Father. That's my take on Fulton Sheen. All right. Uh, Hey, Father, just a quick note before we get into Bishop Sheen's life of Christ. This is Christmas coming up. There's still time to get some Christmas gifts for books. Uh, Father, how can people get any of your books what's the easiest way for them to get that 
Well, I kind of give a chuckle when people talk talk about stocking fillers. Yeah. Have you heard that thing? I have heard I, my it. Books are, my books, I think, are too big for I don't think that's stuff. unless you got a big stock, <laughs> man. Huge. <laughs> and anyway, they, anybody who wants who wants who is interested in uh, yeah. one of my books uh, can 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 either on Amazon. Yes. And if you don't like Amazon, which a lot of people don't, just go to my website, www.charlesmurr.com. Awesome. Well, There's yeah. a thing to click on for books and you're all set. Yeah, that's a good idea to go to your website. I, you know, I, did I tell you this, Terry? The, the, we just, I just contracted Spanish? Uh, Is that the, 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 no, not, it's already out in Spanish. They're in Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, oh. uh, 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 Polish, wow. Croatian. Uh, uh, yeah, that's all awesome. of these different companies. But I just signed a contract for Italian. Excellent. And they, they, did the, they did the first edition of the Italian... Awesome. Uh, uh, Sold out, I bet. Sold out. Yeah. Stay with us, Stanley. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. While I'm on the break, I get a text from my good friend, J.T. Finn. His father passed away uh, 15 years ago, and he was the man back in the late 70s, that helped me with promoting Bishop Sheen's Life is Worth Living. And he saw an ad in The Wanderer for Fulton Sheen cassette tapes. And um, they reminded me that, and I had forgotten this, but it's tied into the death issue. When he was dying, uh, well, I knew that he was dying of uh, liver, uh, it was cancer, liver cancer. So he didn't have a long time to go. And I sent him again the Bishop Sheen cassette tapes or maybe it was in CDs at the time because it was just 15 years ago. And so um, he would constantly listen to 25 hours of Fulton Sheen day and night. And they mm. told me today that when he died, he was listening to Archbishop Sheen on the topic mm. of heaven. Perfect. I thought, what Perfect. this guy died listening to Bishop Sheen? What, 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 did they, what did they say? What a way to go. What a way to what go. What a way to go. Anyhow, God, God rest his soul, John Finn, and, and thanks for sending that text. Uh, timing is perfect. All right, let's get into the life of Christ. This is a book that Bishop Sheen wrote many years ago, and I know different popes have talked about write, reading his book. I know John Paul II said that it was one of his favorite books of Fulton Sheen. And uh, we're talking about, we talked a little bit about the uh, child in the temple, but let's talk what uh, happens in one of the mysteries of the rosary when we talk about the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, what was really going on. So I'm going to read, and then Father Murray can give us some commentary. Bishop Sheen said, After fulfilling the rites, men and women left in separate caravans to meet again at night. But the boy Jesus, unknown to his parents, stayed behind in Jerusalem. They, thinking that he was among their traveling companions had gone a day's journey before they missed him. <laughs> it was thus that Jesus was lost for three days. All through his infancy, there was talk of contradiction, swords, no room, exile, slaughter, and now there was loss. That's true. In those three days, Mary came to know one of the effects of sin, namely the loss of God, though she was without sin. Nevertheless, she knew the fears and the loneliness and the darkness and the isolation which every sinner experiences when he loses God. It was a kind of glorified hide-and-seek. <laughs> okay, he was hers, and that was why she sought him. 
He was on the business of redemption, and that was why he left her and went to the temple. She had her dark night of the body in Egypt. She would now have her dark night of the soul in Jerusalem. Boy, what a beautiful thought. Mothers must be trained to bear crosses. Oh, yeah. Now only her body, but also her soul, would have to pay dearly for the privilege of being his mother. She would later suffer another three-day loss of Good Friday to Easter Sunday. This first loss was part of her preparation. Your thoughts, Father Murr? Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, uh, how how do you how do you beat that? I know you. How do you how do you beat that? I mean, the, the what 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 struck me the first time that I read that, and yeah. I'm talking about many years, fifty years ago, <laughs> maybe. Well, I, I don't know. Whenever it was that I first read it, at yeah. least forty years ago. Yeah. Um, I never stopped to consider. Yeah. We believe as and we believe as Christians that the Blessed Mother was conceived without sin. We just uh, had the celebration of the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. Yes. And and I'm going to do this because every time I say this, uh, I, I always get the reaction of, from many people who didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many people, especially, and, and, and Catholics, confuse the Immaculate Conception with the virgin birth. All the time. Just, all the time. So they think what they're talking about, the Immaculate Conception, was that Mary conceived Christ immaculately. That is not, well, yes, yes, that's true, but that's not the, that's not what the Immaculate Conception is. It is that Joachim and Anne, the, the parents of Mary, parents of the Blessed Virgin Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, when they had carnal relations, the child conceived Mary in the womb of St. Anne, was conceived without sin. Amen. Now, people, a lot of people say, well, that's unnatural. I, and I said, I said to somebody, unnatural? You think it's unnatural to be conceived without sin? I said, go on the bus. Get a, I was, it was bus number 64 when we were talking at an Italian bar, uh, an Italian coffee bar. I said, get on bus number 64 and ask how many people on the bus uh, uh, were conceived in sin. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, not me. Exactly. Roll no, in. no, not me. Yeah. Not me. So, so it comes down to only the Virgin Mary was conceived in sin. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Ridiculous. And why was she conceived in sin, uh, without sin? She was conceived without sin. And, and, and let me just back up a little bit more to explain this to people who say this is unnatural. This is the way God created Eve. Eve was created yep. without sin. So Mary, who is going to be the new Eve, the new beginning of creation in, the, in grace, was also conceived just like Eve without sin. This is our, our nature before it was fallen. So God chose the woman, he created that woman, who with, with an unfallen nature to rebegin the order of grace. Uh, so that Mary could conceive herself and, and and give knit just stop and think of this knit to knit God together yeah isn't that beautiful to knit God together incredible in her in her own womb incredible. which was and it would be impossible to imagine God being knit together in the womb of a, of a, of a woman conceived in sin of course he didn't know sin so then Sheen says this, that woman, 
that woman that we just explained was conceived without sin, was from the moment of her conception and born all of her life without sin, knew what sin was. How did she come to know what sin was? Well, she came to experience the effect of sin. What is the effect of sin? Loss of God. Amen. In other words, she lost her child for three days. And in those three days of panic, she understood one of the effects of sin. To be without Christ is the effect of sin. Uh, also, that's interesting, very interesting. Christ was lost for how many days? Two days? Four days? No, three days. Three days. Always this three-day message. Yep. Because that's going to point to the three days in the tomb. When he was lost also to the world. The world lost him for three days. Uh, so this this is this is very beautiful yeah. to say this is how Mary, being without sin, understands us. She understands us because she also lost Christ. She also lost the fount of life for three days. And Father, I'm going to make a connection, unfortunately, to this connection that says we lose God. It seems like our culture has lost God. And what I've noticed statistically, I think I shared this before the show to you about suicide that it's 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 the 10th large 10th most common cause of death but among young people 12 to 25 it's the second most common cause of death and it seems to me that the world we're living in has thrown god out and the effects of that are very depressing so much to the point where people are taking their lives would you agree with that yeah, Terry, there's a, there's another saying that's uh, very popular today among young people and not so young people. Uh, when you hear something like that, that's statistically shocking. Yeah. And I do this an awful lot. I'll look somebody right in the eyes and say, and how's that working out for you? Yeah. Yeah. How's that working out for you? It's not. How's, that's exactly. I said, well, I don't believe in God and this, that, and the other thing. My family fell apart. And, this, I, and how's that working out for you? Yeah, that's great. They're telling you a disaster that their life is, but they forget that it all started with losing God. Yeah. You know, that no, actually God is not lost. God's not the one that's lost no. in that equation. It's and, oneself. And it, yes. And it seems to me, Father, as what we can do as committed followers of Christ is just live out our faith as some, a follower of Christ. And, you know, even little things blessing themselves when you go by a Catholic church in, for in honor of the Blessed Sacrament, saying prayers in, at a public restaurant, making the sign of the cross. I've seen miracles take place just with that signing of the cross. Uh, and I'll just give one real quick story where the lady who was very um, elderly, she had was at the restaurant with a friend of mine and across the table, and when he went to make the sign of the cross, the woman said, young man, why did you do that? And I said, what do you mean, why did I do that? I blessed myself. And the lady says, well, why? I said, well, everything's a gift. Every day's a gift. No guarantee I'm going to be here tomorrow. So I, I thank God for all the blessings that I receive every day, especially when I eat. And she started weeping. He said, well, you okay? She said, well, actually, I just lost my husband. He died. We were married 64 years. So she was in her 90s. And he said, well, my condolences, ma'am. I'm so sorry about your loss. But remember, you can offer up your prayers for the salvation of your, your husband's soul. So, you know, every action is like a blank check. Give it all to Jesus. Then she starts weeping even more. 
And the waiter oh, looks Lord. over and says, what did you say to her? And he's like, I don't know. I don't get it. So make a long story short, the woman finally got her composure together and said to my friend, thank you for sharing that insight because I really was depressed at the loss of my husband to a point where I was planning to commit suicide after this meal. But I'm not going to do that now because you've given me hope that I need to turn to God. And she said, thank you. Oh. But my oh. point, Father, is this is not, I mean, these things happen. Why? Because we are Catholic. Don't hide your faith. I'm not saying flaunt it, okay? But don't hide it. If people ask you a question about the faith, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, be, ha, give an answer. But you see, if you are living your faith, you God will put you in situations like that uh, on a daily basis. Somebody might be a homeless person. You say, God bless you. Or someone right now, when someone says, happy holidays. No, it's not happy holidays. It's <laughs> you know, Merry Christmas in the Christmas season, right? So I think that uh, that's what we be, need to be doing. We, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to get back to some commentary by Archbishop Sheen regarding Jesus being lost in the temple and Our Lady's response. Stay with us, family. We're too blessed to be stressed. Yes, we're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Father Murray and Terry Barber would be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Stay oh, you got that right. Amen. Oh, you got that right. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse's out today. We've got Father Charles Murr on Mondays with us on the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Murr, before I continue on Bishop Sheen's commentary, i got to tell you, I love focusing on our Catholic faith. It just, every day, I mean, to talk, to, to, to study my faith gives me so much uh, um, solace and peace in my life when I can learn something more about my Catholic faith. And so I just share that because, you know, we're living in some times where there's a lot of problems in the church. I want to remind people, you need to study your faith every day. Uh, You know, reading the newspaper about all the horrible things that are going on in the world and in the church uh, doesn't build up your faith. What does build your faith is this, ask Jesus Christ every day for stronger faith. If you don't do that, your faith will not grow. So we're going to continue on Fulton Sheen's insight. Yes. Just on that, let me, let me just add to something, too. Somebody, somebody just wrote me this morning. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I get a lot of a lot of these letters, uh, people trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, that's right. All right, people trying to figure out, they want to wrap their minds around what is happening because it's so crazy yeah. that, that it makes sense to nobody, especially... Right things that are happening in Rome yeah. and with a lot of people in Rome, all right? Yeah. And I said, my advice was, don't get caught up in this theory or that theory. Yeah. He's not the Pope. He is the Pope. He's sometimes the Pope. He's going to be, no, 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 no. I said, look, those questions will be taken care of in the future, yeah. but they're not questions that are going to be taken care of by you or me, right? What we're supposed to do right now is exactly what Mother Teresa of Calcutta answered to the Time magazine journalist who had who had the, the stupidity to ask this question to Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa, to what do you ascribe your success? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the poor little Mother Teresa looked, my success. <laughs> she, says, 
said, God didn't call me to be successful. Right. God called me to be faithful. Well said. If I'm if I'm faithful, I'll be successful. Yep. Right? What what can each one of us do right now in all of this time of confusion? Remain faithful. Amen. That's what we're called to do. Okay. Well said. Well said. That's what we need. And that gives us the answer to the problems today. Well, Bishop Sheen continues saying, Christ is always found in unexpected places. Boy, that one statement just there, isn't that true? In a manger, by the wise men, in a small town, despised even by the apostles. His parents now found him unexpectedly in the temple. It was three days before they found him, just as it would be the third day before Mary would find him again at Calvary. Your point earlier. That's a beautiful thought. The temple had great fascination for him since it was a little figure of a model of heaven. The father's house was his home, and in it he felt at home. There was a school in the temple in which a number of rabbis taught. The gentle Hillel was perhaps still alive and may have been present in the temple to join in the discussion of the divine child. Hill's son, Rabbi Simon, and his even greater grandson, Gamaliel, the future teacher of St. Paul. Now, I didn't know that. I forgot that, obviously. But future teacher of St. Paul may have been one of the number, although Gamaliel at that time would have been only about the same age as the divine child. Annas had just been appointed high priest, And certainly, he must have heard about the divine child if he were not actually present. You know, all that, that whole paragraph just gives you information that you're going, what? Yeah, that, somebody, he studied that whole situation. And I think that is just brilliant of him to to lay it out in one little paragraph. Wow. It's, you know, there's something else too, Terry, that comes up every every year about this time. Mm especially from fundamentalists, oh, yeah. fundamentalist Protestants, sure. uh, that we've, we've uh, made up the date for Christmas. Right. That the date for Christmas is, is a reflection of pagan holidays, right, I've heard Roman that. pagan holidays, and this and the other. Sure. You know what? It, 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 what ignorance. And the problem is that we, most of us as Catholics don't know how to answer that. Right. The, the answer is very simple. They did calculations. Sure. We have we have this clue from Scripture that right before John the Baptist was conceived, his father Zachary Zechariah mm-hmm. acted as priest in the temple. Well, they just calculated what that year was and what month that would be, mm-hmm. and then they knew when John the Baptist was conceived. Because it was right after that. Yep. Right? From that point, they knew when Elizabeth, with John the Baptist in her womb, went to visit, went, went, was, uh, was met by the Virgin Mary. Right, six months before. Did all of the calculations, Mm -hmm. and it comes out to more or less the 25th of December. Yeah. It's it's no no big deal. But but it's people are saying, well, how do you know that it's not in the Bible? Yes, it is. Yes. It is just like just like she just just brought out these points right. that are in the Bible. Beautiful. Right? They're there. 
happen there. You know what else I find fascinating, Father? Here in America right now, and I think around the world, we get less sunlight on December 25th. And it seems that the days get longer after Jesus' birth. And then what I find fascinating is on the Feast of John the Baptist is one of the longest days of the year in the sense of light, in other words, sunshine. And I think of where where, where Don the Baptist says, I must become small, he must become big, you know. It just seems like even the the uh, the atmosphere, the the universe is is acknowledging uh, that Jesus is born, and it responds in a way that uh, corresponds to who Jesus is. So I just find that interesting that we have these short nights and, and where the uh, short days where the sunlight isn't out during the Christmas season, and then when John the Baptist is uh, born, his feast day. That's the longest day of the year. Isn't that fascinating? And we have you have that in we have that in the last gospel at every Tridentine Mass, which I offer. Tell every me about day. that, because yes, it's and it's and what does the last gospel say? Yeah. It says uh, uh, he was a witness to the light, John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. There was a, a man by the name of John who came as a witness to the light. Beautiful. It says he himself was not the light. Right. Don't get it. Don't. Don't don't be confusing it. Right. But a witness to the light, the light that lights up every man who comes into this world. Right. We say that every day. Yeah. The light and John in his gospel are themes that are that are that are constant. Therefore, John should have a day that, that should be the longest in the in the calendar year with you know, light. You know, Father, I did something recently that I try to do periodically, and that is during the Advent season or Lent. I'll study one of the books of the Bible, like one of the Gospels. And Mm. I read Matthew, uh, and I thought about all the parables that are in the Gospel of Matthew. And I thought, wow, one after another, man. It was like, uh, you know, machine gun fire on teachings, by Jesus teaching by these parables. And I'm going to make a suggestion, and and you can think, you know, have a better suggestion. But I just think we are preparing for the nativity of Jesus Christ— Maybe it would be good not just only to get Bishop Sheen's Life of Christ, but to go back to the actual gospel, the nativity uh, um, narratives, and read them right now and prepare yourself for the coming of Christ. Your thoughts? Oh, sure, sure. But I would still, even if you do that, yeah. I would still encourage everybody to get a copy of The Life of Christ. Oh, yeah. Now, The Life of Christ, it's The Life the begin- of Christ. Sheen's beginning chapters yeah. of Christ's life. The preparation for his arrival and right. his, his early life are fantastic. Yeah, And I tell you where you can, you can get the book at a reasonable price. I know Bishop Barron's, uh, he, this is the one I bought from Bishop Barron's publication, Word on Fire Classics. And I would think that would be a good thing to do. Father, I just wanted to ask your comment before we leave on something that uh, the, the Vatican just lifted a ban on ordinations in a conservative French diocese after the new bishop's installation, just to set the stage. Um, in French, France, um, I'm told that about 50% of the people who actually go to church, which are a very small amount of people compared to the baptized Catholics, they go to the Trinitine Mass. And yeah. that's where it seems the growth is, obviously, in that country. And what was kind of odd is many of these priests that were preparing to be ordained there was it was stopped, and you're scratching your head, going, "Okay, I, am I missing something? Why would in the world would you stop this?" Well, there was an outcry, not just from France, but the world, 
And it seems that the Holy See seems to be more um, responsive if if something gets national attention, and then they seem to respond more positively. And so the Vatican has lifted this ban now on the ordinations in France so that more priests will be offering uh, the extraordinary, uh, the Trinitine Mass, I should say, the extraordinary form called the Trinitine Mass. So I think that's good news, and I would I don't know what to attribute that other than people crying for uh, the sacraments. Your thoughts? Um, yes, but let me let me let me be just a little bit more cynical than you. Good. <clears throat> I'm cyn- I'm more cynical in nature than you are, Terry. That's true. I agree with that. I'm I'm the I'm the total this optimist. Is, you know. This is the diocese of Toulon. Yeah, Toulon, right? Mm-hmm. In, in southern France. That's all right? right. That's right. And and the 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 bishop was replaced. By another bishop. Yes. So the Vatican replaced him because he was ordaining, primarily because he was ordaining these these young men uh, who wanted the Latin mass, the Latin traditional That's mass. Right. That's right. You have to understand this. The Vatican and and, and the, the person of the Pope, the present Pope, mm-hmm. is very, very media-wise. Yes. And where the media is, the media is focused on any question, they get nervous because it's it's not controllable. Right. And therefore, therefore, they got nervous on this. After they did what they did, they got nervous because there was media, uh, uh, there was media backlash uh, from this. It doesn't make sense. What you, you, you're saying half of the people in France go to the traditional yeah, mass, that's true. And, and now they're canceling anybody who's being ordained to take yeah, care of them. No. This is this is insane. Yeah, we, right. Well, it's also it's also insane when it came to the doorstep of the people who did it, and they had to back, backtrack. But now, don't for a moment think that that they're pleased with themselves no, for can't. having to do that. Yeah, we right? need to pray hard for the Holy See right now because there's so many crazy things that are coming out. Father, how about a blessing before we run? Absolutely. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Terry. Hey, stay strong. Hey, amen. And thank you again. And folks, thanks for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You can go to vmpr.org to support us there. And want to just uh, thanks for the years of support over the years, because this is the end of a year coming up, the calendar year at least, the beginning of a new year in the church calendar. So thanks again for all you do. And don't forget, uh, each Monday with Father Charles and you can listen to his shows on the